Hey everybody, welcome back to Inside the Five. It's Sav. And it's Griff. And today we got Celtics talk. We got college basketball talk. We're going to preview some of the games that are on Saturday. We'll go over some of the games that already have already happened this week. And a little teaser, we might even talk a little hockey if time permits. Griff, what do you say? The Bruins! All right, everybody, welcome back to Inside the Five. Let's get things started talking about our Boston Celtics. Unfortunately, not the number one team in the NBA anymore after the Milwaukee Bucks go on a huge win streak, but we're not here to talk about the Bucks. We're here to talk about our Boston Celtics. And Griff, we were wrong about the game against the Knicks by a lot. That was a pretty bad game. Yeah, and um, I, I'm going to be like on, uh, completely honest, completely, completely honest right now. I took Celtics. I I put my money on it. Celtics minus two and the over at two twenty four and a half. And it was literally the opposite. And it yep. when when those moments happen, I get like I start to shake and I like close my eyes and I get this weird feeling in my head. Just reminds me of every single Sunday of the fall where I pick a team and I pick the over under, and I was just completely wrong on both sides. I'm getting like nightmares because of the uh, of the Celtics loss and it makes me remember because you remember this past football season I mean like it, it I feel like it got down to the point where when I was personally betting I would take the team I would take the over under in my head and then I would just bet the opposite and it would hit like mm-hmm. it's it, that was a scary moment for the Celtics and I'm only saying that because I, I don't want it to become the same thing and I've seen a lot of things with the Celtics where I, I'm just not in love with the way that they're playing after the All-Star break. Oh, I 100% agree. It kind of seems as if – I mean, we'll get to the Cavs game last night, which was a, a kind of a little bit of a sigh of relief. But Jason Tatum has struggled post-All-Star break, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I mean, the game against yeah, the Pacers definitely. and the game against the 76ers. The game against the Pacers, if you just look at the box score, it wasn't really that bad. He put up over 30 points, had a double-double. He did his thing. But against the 76ers, he's lucky he hit that game winner – or it would be his worst performance of the season. He had 18 points. And then against the Knicks, he followed it up again with 14 points. Uh, he went 6 of 18 shooting, 1 of 9 from 3. And that was a theme against the Knicks. They went 9 of 42 mm-hmm. from beyond the arc. Yeah, and in that, first, in that first quarter, they just kept missing. And it was like, all right, they're, gonna, they're eventually going to start to fall. They're going to start to fall. They're going to start to fall. Mm-hmm. And they never did. They never fell. You go 9 of 42. You put, I think that's their worst shooting night of the year, shooting 21% compared to the Knicks 12 of 31. So it's not like the Knicks weren't shooting three-pointers. It's just they were shooting more efficient shots. And it really did show in this game really was over after the first quarter when the Knicks outscored the Celtics 27 to 15. Yeah. And I mean, just this game going back to the three-pointers, it was like every single time we were coming down the court, nobody was moving the ball. And whoever brought the ball down, whether it was Jason Tatum, Derek White, Brogdon, or Smart in this game, who, I mean, he was just chucking up shots, it felt like. He finished two for seven from behind the three-point line. He had more points than Tatum with 19. But, I mean, it was just a brick show. And especially in that first quarter, we only scored 15 points, she said. And, I mean, it's just – it's scary signs when you're missing out on Jalen Brown in a game, right? 
you need Jason Tatum to come through and honestly score 30, maybe even 40 points. And once again, we'll talk about the Cavs game, which, yep. by the way, Stav did attend. Stav was, was in there. attendance. He didn't mention that. Um, but, I mean, no JB. You need JT. It's, like, kind of mm-hmm. simple. It's it's just mathematics at this point. But I feel like he never comes through, and it's a scary sign. And in my opinion – when JB uh, or when it's just JB out there with no Jason Tatum, I feel like Jalen Brown puts on a show and he does his thing and he carries this team. And Tatum does it in moments, but I mean, when you're battling for the number one seed after the All Star break, I would consider the Celtics Knicks game um, here. I mean, not a must win game, but this is a big game. This is a very mm-hmm. very large game, and it's to. I mean, keep your grasp of the one seed and you go out and you drop 14 points. It's I know he had nine assists, but he's Jason Tatum. He's somebody that's top three in MVP right now and should be dropping 30, 35 points a game. Yeah, 100%. You said it uh, right, and I really like how you brought up the point about how when Jalen Brown is out, Jason Tatum is supposed to be that guy to step up, and you and I both thought he would do that. I remember on Mm -hmm. Monday's show we were talking about how – Jason Tatum was supposed to put up 40 tonight, right? No Jalen Brown. It's his show. Stars show up at Madison Square Garden. And Jason Tatum really did disappoint. I'm not going to lie. I bet on him to get over 44 and a half point, three bounds and assists. He didn't even come close. So betting aside, betting, it's all whatever, right? Yeah. Um, He didn't play well. Like regardless of what the stat, uh, the box score says, he didn't play well. And Stars have to show up, and especially in the biggest spots, national TV against your rivals, essentially, in the New York Knicks, who the Knicks are hot. They're on a seven-game win streak right now. Um, you got to be the team to end that, especially when you're supposed to be the number one seed in the East. But overall, the All-Star at post-All-Star break, the results in the box score have been okay, right? We're three and one post-All-Star break. We just talked about the one loss. Let's talk about the third win against the Cleveland Cavaliers last night with me in attendance. Um, this was a big rebound game for Jason Tatum. This was huge for him. He, especially in the second half, uh, first, first half, he was a little slow getting onto the scoreboard, but he, he did rebound. He did his thing. He was posted a near triple double 41 points, 11 rebounds, eight assists. Um, that's a Jason Tatum. We all know and love. Um, I want to preface this by saying at halftime, um, Jason Tatum points and assists was over 38 and a half. Smash that. Um, so with with every bad comes some good, and we finally, you're right, got a good game from him. He did well. He got to the free throw line at a very good rate, and he shot uh, shot well at the free throw line. He shot 11 for 14. Um, he rebounded the ball. He moved the ball around. He finished with 11 rebounds and eight assists. Um, and this is the exact game that we want from him. JB's in on this game. He has 16 points. He didn't really look anything too special at times, but I mean, it's it's one of those games where you know Jalen Brown's coming off after taking a few games off due to a little injury, and um, I expect him to be 100. I I honestly just I mean, this is a Celtics podcast, and Celt mm-hmm. as Celtics fans. We are allowed to have, like, our favorites. I'm sorry, we are. Jalen Brown is a guy that I would go to war for. Mm-hmm. Like, his, it, just the way that he is on the court, 
is, yeah. is just, I mean, a different, he's, he's somebody that we need and he's willing to step down in those moments and let Jason Tatum take 21 shots, you know, let him have his 40 point games and, and all that. And he, I, I, I think he's the super or the best sidekick to Jason Tatum. And I wouldn't call him a sidekick, but I mean, Jason Tatum's the number one guy. Yes, yeah, exactly. It's not so much as a sidekick. It's more of a number two, right? And yeah. in my opinion, it's like one A and one B when you come down to Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, because both can give you 40 on a given night. And Jalen Brown, I like exactly what you said about Jalen Brown again, where he's a guy that embodies kind of the culture of what this basketball team is, right? He's a guy who I feel like is one of the greatest competitors on this team. You know, Mm -hmm. he doesn't take any shit from anybody. He locks in when it comes down to games. He's not like laughing, high-fiving like the opponent. He's a guy who... Like when it's between the lines, when it's on the court, he doesn't give a fuck about your relationship off the court, essentially. And that's what it seems like to me, at least. I don't, obviously, I'm not on the court. I can't speak for that. But watching on TV, watching in person, you can see his competitive nature. And it's really a treat to watch. And um, they complement each other very well. I mean, he turned it on in the fourth quarter as well. The theme with the Celtics team is they turn it on when they need to. And uh, guys like Al Horford last night with 23 points, 11 boards. Uh, he was shooting the ball very well. He had he went six of eight from three, which yep. if you can get six threes out of Al Horford, that's a game that you should definitely win and take care of business. And uh, Robert Williams did his thing too. He had a double-double. We had three double-doubles on this team last night, which is awesome to see. Um, Robert Williams, Al Horford, and Jason Tatum. And uh, you know what was funny? Grant Williams didn't get any minutes last night. I kind of realized that around the third quarter – I. Joe Mazzulla did say that it was because of certain matchups. And I, I kind of agree with that when it comes down to like Jared yeah. Allen, who, who he wouldn't really have anybody to guard on the team just because of how yeah. big the Cavs run. You know, you have Jared Even Allen. Corral, I feel like is, exactly. is a big three. Yeah. So Grant Williams in this game, I guess, really didn't have a good matchup. But I was, I was curious about that. But uh, Joe Mazzulla ran a short lineup. He only ran nine last night compared to usual 10, 11 players that see minutes. But, um, I kind of want to talk about a little bit of the Cavs. Donovan Mitchell is just yeah, okay. a treat. He's just yeah. awesome to watch. He's one of those guys who, you know, when you're watching, it doesn't – you don't see everything as you would in person, right? Just the yeah. way he can contort his body in midair. He finishes at the rim. He doesn't try and draw contact. He, he just plays the game right. You know, he's so athletic. He can knock down his shots. He's just a dog. Like, it, it was awesome to see that. Uh, Darius Garland is the same way, in my opinion. You know, those two guys that that uh, front court or the back court. I'm sorry, they 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 just they're just awesome to watch. I mean, they combine. I mean, Mitchell did shoot 32 shots, but he had to. He put up 44 points. He had his five assists, four rebounds, and he was just playing well. And it got to the point in the third, late third quarter, in the fourth quarter, Donovan Mitchell, because we were, where we were sitting, we were behind the Cavs bench, probably about 10, 11 rows, and. After what Jason Tatum kind of went on a little run in the third quarter and Cleveland called a timeout, Donovan Mitchell was screaming, I got him. And he matched up with Jason Tatum. And I don't think Jason Tatum really did much after that. And Donovan Mitchell was just picking him up full court and he was gassed. You could tell he was tired, but he did, he just dug deep and he st- he competed. And it was just awesome to watch. Just some notes that I took from that game. And um, another note from this game, I forgot Ricky Rubio was on the caps. <laughs> I forgot Ricky Rubio was in the NBA. <laughs> I like no, but but for real, it goes it, and it shows in the box score, Stav. You know, it perfectly 
uh, lined up with your timeline where Boston owns the third quarter here, 41-26. And then at that moment when you see Donovan Mitchell, I mean, it's time to take over. They go out, they win the fourth quarter. And, you know, looking through Twitter last night right after this loss because um, me personally in the fourth, I was like, oh, this game's wrapped up. I went to go take a shower. I came back. The game was over. And my roommate was like, we only won by four. And yeah. I was like, I was like, what? Like, I thought we were like killing them. So like, I went to go see it. It's it's just one of those where it's like, you know, you lose against the Knicks. And and of course we just talked about that game, but you go out and you're supposed to have this big win where it should feel good. But even like just giving that up and losing the fourth quarter, 35 to 21, losing it by 14 whole points. It's just like, I just want like a pure, like great win from this team who should be the best team in the NBA against a team like New York, against a team like Cleveland, or I mean, I guess like not the Nets, but we're going to be playing the Nets soon. So like, I just want like a good solid win at this point against a playoff team. I'm scared of having these moments where like Cleveland goes on a run and, oh, wait, we only won by four. Of course, we had control the whole game, and, yes, we won the game. So I know I'm asking for a little bit here, but you get what I'm trying to say. Like, I need, like, yeah. a solid, like, seven, eight, maybe double-digit point win, and and we just haven't really seen that. And I'm just scared because, you know, Tatum puts it together, and mm-hmm. he, he hasn't had it after All-Star break. And when Tatum has it, and JB has it, we win games by 30. And this goes to my point. Tomorrow, Saturday, both of these guys have at least 30 points, and they blow out the Brooklyn Nets at the TD Garden. Yeah. I mean, it's – I'm glad we're home again because we did go on a little road stretch, right? Yeah. People could chalk up that Knicks game to be the last game of the, of the road stretch post-All-Star break, you know, as a letdown spot. Um, it shouldn't be, and I'm not saying that it is, but, you know, looking in hindsight when we look at the season as a whole, that's what hopefully we will chalk that up to. And I expect mm-hmm. the Celtics team to absolutely blow out the Nets. The Nets are on a really bad skid right now. Um, mm-hmm. They got smoked by the Knicks last night. They're on a four-game losing streak. They lost, They got smoked by the Bulls. They lost 131-87. to They lost to the yeah. Hawks on a buzzer beater by Trey Young. They got smoked by the uh, by the box by – by the Bucks by 14, and then they come out and lose by 24 to the Knicks, which was Wednesday night. And now we have this uh, the Celtics are up obviously on Friday. So let's see. You know, I- I'm excited to see what the Celtics team can do. Usually we take care of business against the Nets, especially as of late. Let's hope that trend continues. And uh let's get the Celtics on a let's get them back into that first seed because that first seed really is going to be big in my opinion because that yes. first seed determines whether you face either the Atlanta Hawks, Toronto Raptors, or Washington Wizards in that first round, or you face the Miami Heat. And we all know the Miami Heat, although they are a seven seed and although they are struggling right now, that's not a team you want to see in the first round. So yeah. they're, they'll tire you out. I, I, I think the Celtics would win probably five or six, but yeah, you that's don't want to face, you want, you want Milwaukee to face them. You want yes. Milwaukee to face them, and then you want to face yes. a team like Atlanta and take them in four and rest up for the second round. Yeah, Who then yeah, exactly. You would either take on Cleveland or New York, and I would assume that would be Cleveland. Yeah, the it, it, today. Instead, instead of, you know, you can either have the route of playing the Heat, then the 76ers, and then whoever the one seed is, probably the Bucks, 
or you can have the exact route that you just said. And I mean, any person that has watched any NBA this year um, or understands how standings work as well would probably pick the side. We would all agree on the same side, but um, I mean, the Celtics haven't lost to the Nets in like two years. Yeah, <laughs> like we, we we swept them in the first round last year. Um, I know that they got a couple of the season series, but we're going for the season or of the season last year. They got a couple from us, but we're going for the season sweep right now. We're three and zero against them. Um, and just as you said, they're on a skid. They're favored by ten and a half points right now. Um, and I mean, I love them. I love. I, I I think that this has to be the game. Yeah, I I and you know we. We've been doing this podcast, um, Stav, you've been here for a year. Yep. I've been doing this for like three years now, um, two years, two and a half years. And I, I feel like every single season around this time, I say the same thing. I'm just waiting for this game to happen, like this statement game, the start of our championship DVD. That's why I always bring it up. That is the first thought that I have in my head. What is happening? We went on a crazy run in the first half and it makes me think of last season where we were sucky in the first half. Um, and then after all-star break or really after January in January, we turned up, yep. but now we're post all-star break. And I know what happens to a lot of these one seeds post all-star break. I mean, that nine day span, it, it could be detrimental. Peyton Pritchard's going to the Bahamas and listening to Bob Marley and dancing on Instagram live. And Marcus smart hasn't been healthy yeah. ever ever and i mean now he's in twitter beef with bam out of bio so i'm just like gotta lock in gotta get a big win and this is a big spot right here i don't even see this as a as an upset slate i mean i just see this as free money and and free money is boston celtics minus 10 and a half on friday night i agree as well um they gotta go on a win streak here like looking at the road ahead we'll get to these games next week on the next episode as well but Mm -hmm. Brooklyn and New York are both in the garden. Sunday, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Sunday, this Sunday upcoming, we can get revenge on the Knicks. If they smoke the Knicks, that would be very good. That'd be that'd be a great win for them because the Knicks are playing great basketball. And then we go to Cleveland. We if we can get two in a row against Cleveland, that's huge. Obviously, we'll recap. We'll go over these games again next week. But then you have Portland yeah. at home. That should be a win. And then you go on an easy stretch. You have Atlanta, Houston, Minnesota, Portland, Utah, Sacramento, Indiana, San Antonio, Washington. So the next 10 yeah. games are very winnable. And then you go to Milwaukee Thursday, March 30th. I mean, that's a, basically a month away. But that could be the Eastern Conference final right there. And that yeah. could determine the one seed. If we can rattle off a huge win streak going into that game, that would be absolutely awesome. And then you close out the season with Utah, Philly, Toronto twice, and Atlanta. So I don't want to say that they're going to win every single one of these games. Obviously, they're going to lose one, a few in there. But we have a—I mean, how many games are left? What's their record right now? It's forty-four and or forty-five and eighteen. Forty-five and eighteen. Yeah. So that's sixty-three. They have nineteen games left. I can easily see them. I can see them winning fifteen out of these nineteen. You know, and that would be huge. That gives them the 60 win mark. They're 60 and 22. And that might not even be good enough to be the one seed, which is absolutely nuts to say. But well, you hope. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, we're looking at the first seed right now in the Milwaukee Bucks, who's won 16 games in a row. 
Um, and, and that was to get back to us, right? They're half yes. a game up on us. They play the 76ers tonight. And um, I I mean, they're not going to win. They're not going to win out. They've already won 16 in a row. They're, they're down to stop their pace. But, I mean, it's, it's Boston versus Milwaukee right now. That's really yep. what this race yep. is, in my opinion. Yeah, exactly. And whoever comes out of the East is going to win the NBA Finals, in my opinion. <laughs> and let's talk about a sport where the postseason's right around the corner. Let's talk about yes. college basketball. Yeah. We got some great matchups that great happened this past yeah. week, and we have some great matchups coming up this Saturday. Griff, Griff. what games did you what like this week? What, like do we this week? what do we want to talk about? All right, so we're going to be covering some Wednesday games. I got three for you, three for you here, starting in the basketball version of the Iron Bowl. Um, Auburn, Bama, um, what a crazy game. Bama – uh, goes into this game, obviously, as the two seed. Um, they're in the spotlight. They're going to be in the spotlight for the rest of the year. This is an upset slate. The 19-11 and 11 Auburn Tigers going into Tuscaloosa. Um, and, I mean, putting up a real big fight against Bama. Bama fought back in the second half of this game and brought it into overtime. I, I mean, it, this was a crazy game. Going into overtime, Bama was still favored by four and a half points. I took the money line. Fun fact, because um, this is my team to win the national championship. Because once they are in the light, once they have these big moments, and this game was on ESPN, um, everybody tuned into that overtime, and I just feel like they know it, and they feel like a different energy, and they come through. This is the the best team in prime time in college basketball, and when all the the lights are shined on them, and when all the eyes are on them, they. I mean, excel. They are better than what they normally are. They like to be in the spotlight. And I think they'll have no trouble shooting in, in, in Houston, Texas this year because I, I have them going to the Final Four. I have them winning the national championship. I'm just going to be 100% honest. This was a statement win for the Crimson Tide to get it done at home in an upset slate. This is upset week, by the way. So Bama dodged it, and we're going to talk about who they play on Saturday, Stav, but this is a big, big win for them, and they're going to remain that two seed. Yeah, I mean, they might even climb up to the one seed by the end of the season, and this team is just very deep, in my opinion. Obviously, you're at the top with Brandon Miller, but then you got guys like Javon Quinterly who are going out and giving you 24 yeah. points in a huge game and a huge slate like this. This team is death, like they, they're built to last in a tournament. I'm not trying to jinx them, but when I say that, but it's a very deep team. And they, whenever the, like exactly what you said, whenever the light is shine on them, they succeed, right? And they are always in the upsets watch. And the, when the lights shine bright, when they have all this adversity that's going to them, they always prevail. And teams, the Alabama right now has a target on their back. There's no doubt about it. Whether it be off the court issues and on the court performance, they have a target on their back and they prevail consistently. And this team is going to be a treat to watch when it comes to conference tournaments and when it comes to March Madness. Yeah, and I mean, if if anybody's going to jinx some stop, it's me. I just said they're winning the national championship. So, um, but no, for real, it's a it's a big win for them. We'll talk about who they play on Saturday because that's an even bigger game. Um, but we'll move on to a little bit of Big East or not Big East, Big Twelve action. Not the Big East yet. I got to calm down. Um, Texas. TCU, this, as I said, upset week, Stav. This was, mm -hmm. as they call it, the perfect storm. 
TCU going into this game as the number 22 seed, get a big um, top 10 opponent coming into their house. And what do you do? You put them down like a sick mm-hmm. dog. Two-point victory. That's exactly what they needed. Um, and, and it was even great. They got the stop, and they didn't have to worry about a game winner being hit on them. They they got the stop, and they just threw that up. So, I mean, it was a, a great win. Um, TCU, who's been a team that has been up and down. I feel like mm-hmm. earlier in the season they were ranked in the low teens, um, maybe around 10. And, you know, they they, they strung together a couple of losses. Now, they're now double-digit losses. Just to get this win against Texas is going to be big for them for seeding. Um, it's going to be even bigger for them for seeding for their conference tournament because, as we say, stuff the Big 12 is probably the most competitive league or conference in, in college basketball right now. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And I remember last episode where we go on like a five-minute tangent about listing the ranked teams that come out of the Big 12. And if we break down – how TCU's schedule has gone up to this point. It's a lot of early season losses that have put them down to the rank 20th. And that's not even a bad thing. As of late, what and since January 4th, they've only had one loss, and that was the Northwestern State. So it, it was an upset. And if we don't include that, oh, I'm sorry. I'm what the hell am I saying? I I looked at their schedule in complete reverse order. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> all right. But so Reverse ex- everything I just said. Yes, yes, their yes, early season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. Their early season performance was it really catapulted them to be in the uh, in the top twenty-five, and then they started getting into conference play where and, and it's a they struggled conference. against. Yeah, they struggled against the Big Twelve, and ever since the new year, that's where all their losses have taken place. And they went on a bad four-game losing streak in the beginning of February to Oklahoma State, Kansas State, Baylor, and Iowa State. Um, those are four that's games a right tough there. Stretch yeah, there. that's a very tough stretch. And They're then good, they lost. Those are good basketball teams. Yeah, and then they lost again to Kansas, who is going to be a one seed from what our predictions are. So this win against Texas for them is absolutely huge. It gives them confidence. They have one game left against Oklahoma, obviously this Saturday. Uh, that should be a win, and that should propel them to be probably a top five. What, what do you think? You think they'll be a top five, top six team, it, depending on conference play? I, Kansas, I Kansas say, won it. There's Texas. Yeah. There's Baylor. Um, yeah, they'll be there. They'll be there. Kansas they might State, be four or the five. Iowa State. Okay, it, it'll be K State. Oh well, because it's they might be five or six. They're either five or six. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So they're going to be in the upper percent of. March Madness, hopefully, like that's how just our base projections. But this TCU team, it seems like they get opportune wins when it matters. Um, they beat, they smoked Kansas prior earlier in the year when Kansas was ranked two. Um, mm-hmm. But Texas, Texas beat them earlier in the year and they got their revenge. But it just sucks because they they haven't really overperformed in the Big Twelve as some of the other teams have, which is just disappointing for them. But this game, I, I feel like TCU kind of had this it was under wraps the entire way, and then Texas made a late surge. To, I think yeah. TCU was up like 15 late in the yeah. second, and then late surge, Texas came back. because Texas is a good team. We know that. And, um, yeah, they, they won the game, and they, they're in a decent spot to actually compete in the tournament. Yeah, that's that's a big win for them. It's gonna get them uh their ranking down to my guess is around 14 to 16 mm-hmm. if if you're looking at um the the king 
uh, international ranking system. I have a system. It, the, the computer's in the back. I have a whole system. So I got them around 14 to 16, depending on their game against Oklahoma on Saturday, because Oklahoma is the definition of an upset slate this year. Um, they, they they win basketball games that they shouldn't win. They're not going to be ranked. Um, they might sneak into the tournament, but who knows? Um, but to cover up um, Wednesday's action, we got to mention a little Big East game. Mm-hmm. Um, we are a Big East podcast. Um, exactly. But for real, probably game – game of the week in Big East, I would say, between Xavier and Providence, the 19 versus the 20 seed, pretty much as close as it gets. And, you know, obviously Marquette is the one seed here, so this is between the two and the three, and UConn's around there as well. But, I mean, this was just an impressive game from both teams, and I don't Mm -hmm. really think that either team – or I don't think Providence, who lost the game 94-89, to is going to be affected too greatly – in the rankings, in my opinion, they should still be ranked after a loss like this because only losing to a team by five, and although it was at home, every single one of your starters still puts up at least 14 points. That's very impressive, and they can score with the best of them. Um, It was just that day Xavier was shooting lights out, and they shot 10 for 20 from the three-point line, and Providence matched them for three. It just came down to the point where, I mean – Xavier was just getting the job done down low. They 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 shot very impressive from the field, 55% compared to 40%. Um, they, I mean, just at the end of the day, not as deep as Providence is. They got a big win. Once again, this is an upset week. I would call this an upset because um, Providence at home, obviously, you expect them to get the job done. They don't. This is greatly going to affect – um, the Big East record because now Xavier is at 14 and five in the conference and Providence falls to 13 and six. That's a whole game. And that could, with, with the season ending on Saturday, Stav, that, that pretty much just wrapped up that Marquette's going to be the one seed. Xavier should be locked into the two. And then it's up to Providence and UConn for the three and the four. Yeah, exactly. And the Big East, it's one of the most competitive uh, conferences in the country, we're going to see a lot of these teams who are going to end up in the top 25, like you just said. And this is it's impressive to me that this is Providence's first home loss of the year. Um, I, I'm impressed by them, like you said. This is a this was a very competitive game. Uh, Providence battled back in the second half after trailing by nine at the end of the first. Uh, Xavier, I feel like they've kind of gone under the radar up to this point in the Big East. You know, we always talk about Marquette, UConn, and Providence. And then yep. Xavier sneaking in, they're probably going to be a top 14, top 15 they, seed at the end of this week. They, yeah, they've been they've been um, just consistent the whole yes. season. They've just been sneaking around in that 20 to 23 range in the rankings and just winning games. And um, I actually met, met, or mixed it up because Creighton, who's unranked, is also ahead of UConn in the, in the conference standings. So UConn could end up – being the 14th seed in the Big East or 14th seed in America right now, which is what they currently are, but being the fifth seeded team in the big in the Big East tournament. Yeah, and we can't even sleep on teams like Villanova. We'll get to them in the pre or mm-hmm. the preview of uh, this upcoming weekend. But the Big East is deep, man. I mean, Villanova—they're not even out of it. I don't think they're not ranked right now, 
They're the sixth seed in the Big East, but they are a very good team. I mean, not very good. They're around 500, but they could sneak in backdoor to the tournament if they have a good tournament. In the, or yeah, no, exactly. If they have a good Big East tournament, and it, it's exactly so. With one game left, the the cutoff really is at five and six. So UConn's at twelve and seven in the conference. Villanova's at ten and nine, and there's only one game left. So Villanova pretty much has yeah. With with Seton Hall being um nine and ten, if Villanova wins, they lock up the six seed. UConn has the chance to to sneak up to the four, but I guess they I would guess that they stay at the five. Creighton at the four. Providence at the three. So that means Villanova would be playing, I believe, UConn. Either UConn or Seton Hall in the first round. One. So, I mean, it, it's going to be a tough tournament. This is a good tournament to look at. Um, shout out to the boys. We will be there. Oh, yeah. We're going to be there. We're going to be live in action in the Big East tournament for the semifinal and final game at Madison Square Garden. I cannot be more excited for that game. That's gonna, or those games rather. We get to see the both semifinals game on that Friday night, March 10th, and then we'll see the championship game on Saturday, March 11th, and we will have a full recap of those games available for you that Monday. Because because the way that I see it, Stav, is we're either going to see four ranked teams in Marquette, Xavier, Providence, and UConn, or we're going to see a team that just absolutely ran through the Big East tournament and is going to cement their spot in the in March Madness. So we're either going to see a great run from a team, but worst case scenario, and this is still, I mean, a great situation to be in. We're watching four ranked teams in three games in two days. So, I mean, four, three, two, and we will see. I, I, I actually stopped um, real quick before we get into Saturday's action. Let me, let me throw out a quick – um, final prediction of who's going to play in that Big East tournament final. I have Marquette playing UConn. Okay. You know how I said Villanova is one of the best teams in the conference? You have them running? You have them making I, a I run? have them making them. A, I have them making a run, right? And um, I don't know. I just feel like Villanova is one of the only blue bloods in the Big East. And they're destined to make a run. They kind of remind me – I don't want to say they remind me of last year's UNC team, but a team that underperformed up to this point, sitting around 500, they could make a run in the Big East tournament. I'm not saying they'll be in the final, but expect that out of them, in my opinion. We'll. Pro- I, I think we'll see them in the semifinal. But and, and, Yeah, let's hear it. Let's hear it. <coughs> your, your, your true prediction. <coughs> Excuse me. Jeez. All right. I got – this is tough. I like Marquette. I think Marquette's going to make the run. (coughs) You said UConn, right? Yes. I got Providence. Providence, I like it. I like it. And going back to your point on um, Villanova, the run, the run that you could see them making will start this Saturday or could start this Saturday when they're at home against the 14th seed in the nation, UConn Huskies. Um, that that has to be the start. You end the regular season on a very, very high note. That means that you're finishing 17 and 14 on the year, 11 and 9 on the conference, compared to if you lose this game, you're now 10 and 10 in the conference, um, which, I mean, it, it, it is very much so better to be positive than to be sitting at 500. And this is a real big uh, upset slate for UConn, who 
we remember at, at one point in the season was the best team in the nation, right? And yeah, um, they slipped all the way down. They were unranked for a week or two. They came back up. They surged. And like we said, they're going to find their spot at like fifth in the Big East tournament. But they're the second best team in terms of national rankings in the Big East, only behind six-seeded Marquette. UConn's at 14 right now. They've kind of made their way back. If Villanova gets that win, um, I mean, that that's a must-win game for Villanova going into the tournament. Um, even though it's not really going to affect seeding that much, it's kind of just a confidence boost, kind of just, you know, something that is like, wait, we can beat the big dogs in this conference. And even with the new coach, and even though we struggled at the beginning of the year, look what we've done in the Big East um, in conference play. And, and you're right, Stav. They they picked it up towards the end of the season, and they've strung a few wins. And um, I'm not going to lie, when it comes to college coaches, they have a first-year guy. I don't know his name. Maybe by the end of this, this will know. This will be the factor if Villanova had a successful season. Is if I know the name of Villanova's basketball coach mm-hmm. by the end of the season. Yeah, that's a good standard to put him at. And uh, I, to be honest, I couldn't be more excited to see what some of these middle of the Big East conference teams do. You know, like you said, UConn, although they're ranked 14, they're the fifth seed in the Big East. Mm-hmm. So we will see them get thrown into the gauntlet essentially when it comes to that yeah. tournament. And uh, I. They're a dangerous team. You know, they could get hot. They're one seed in one point of the year for a reason. And um, they have the resume, but let's see how it actually shakes out against some of these teams, like the scrappy teams like Villanova, or even against like some of the best teams like Marquette. Definitely, definitely. And um, I just have a few more games because I want to talk Bruins within the next minute. Um, Bama, Texas A&M, the two going to the number 24 seed. This is a big upset slate for Bama. Once again, all eyes on Alabama. My prediction is Bama's probably going to be favored by two or three games. Love it. Take it. Put the house on it. Put the mortgage on it. But if it doesn't hit, not my fault. You put the money on it. Bet responsibly. And then my last big game of um, Saturday, Big 12. You know we love our Big 12. Number three, Kansas. At number nine, Texas. Obviously, we talked about how Texas lost earlier uh, this week. I have Texas losing another game this week, falling maybe to 17, 18 in the rankings. I have Kansas winning this game um, and cementing their spot. Obviously, they've already won the Big 12, but cementing that three seed after the regular season. So those are my those are my big, big games of this Saturday, the end of the college basketball regular season. It's flown by. I mean, I feel like the college basketball season, the spotlight's on it post-Super Bowl. Yeah, Even, yep, I think, definitely. more so than the NBA in some ways. Definitely. And um, I'm gonna, just going to rattle off my predictions. I got Bama as well. I, yeah. I don't see a world where I can take – where I can bet against them, essentially, until they prove me wrong. And definitely. this is a – I mean, tickets right now I'm looking are selling for high – it's pretty – pricey $170 to get into the stadium and in Texas A&M at College Station. Um, they're excited for this. And don't think Texas A&M is just going to step down and let Alabama, Alabama walk all over him. They want to win this game pretty bad as yeah. well. So that'll be fun. Another game that we mentioned as well was um, you said it was Kansas and uh, Texas. Yeah. I, how can I bet against my Kansas Jayhawks? Um, I love Kansas in here. I like him with the points. I think Texas is going to lose. I'm pretty much tailing your picks here. I don't see a reason yeah. why I would have to pick against them. So I'm the specialist. Exactly. So I, I love 
the slate this weekend is going to be awesome. We're going to see the final rankings heading into conference play, and um, I couldn't be more excited to see how everything shakes up. We're in March. We don't sleep in March. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By the way, welcome to March. Mm-hmm. Big month um, because you know how it goes. Conference tournaments. March Madness takes us into April, and then, oh, March Madness is over, right? No, Masters. Yep, so exactly. Like, I mean, yeah, this I'm... is the best time of the year. Um, seasonal depression is gone. Before we kick off uh, Bruins talk, I just want to say, um, I said Bama is my pick to win the national championship. If it's not Bama, it's Kansas. Stav, take us to the world of ice. And welcome to the world of ice for the first time in Inside the Five in however long. But we're here to talk about our Boston Bruins. Obviously, we're a Boston sports podcast for the most part. And how can we not talk about the Boston Bruins right now? They're on pace to win the President's Trophy. They're on pace to have the most points in NHL history. And let's talk about some of the most recent games before we get into today's big news. Today was a great day if you're a Boston Bruins fan. And let's start off early in the week. All right, and the Boston Bruins had a huge matchup against the Edmonton Oilers, which um, should I start in against? No, the Canucks game really didn't matter too much. I mean, Linus Allmark scored a goal, which was pretty cool. The first goal by a goalie since 2018. That goal was sick. Yeah, that That was was pretty dope. That's the only talking point I had about that. But let's talk about the game in Edmonton. The Bruins were on a huge road stretch, right? They went to Seattle. They went to Vancouver. They went to Edmonton. They finished the second night of a back-to-back in Calgary. Um, this game against Edmonton, this was a letdown spot. You know, the Bruins are on a pretty good, pretty big win streak right now. They're sitting – their record right now is ridiculous. Like, me looking mm-hmm. at it right now, it's hard for me to even say this. They're 46-8-5. and five. Which is absolutely yeah. nuts. And then you face the top the top offense in the league with the Edmonton Oilers. And Connor McDavid showed up and he did his thing. You know, Connor McDavid's the best scorer in the NHL. He might go down as one of the best scorers of all time. He will go down as one of the best scorers of all time. There's no yeah. doubt about it. And he scored goals 49 and 50 in this game. But Guys in the lower end of the lineup, you know, guys in the fourth line stepped up. You know, Thomas Nosek put in his fourth goal of the season, and then Nick Foligno also scored a goal, and Pavel Zaka. Those were your three scores, and if you told me that those were the three scores going into the game against the Oilers, I would have assumed we lost about six to three. But the defense played well. Uh, uh, Swayman was in net for this game, and he played well. This was probably his best game of the season, and this was a great win for the Bruins because the Oilers – they're due to score six goals every night. We all know that. And then let's move to the second night of the back-to-back. And this might be a hot take, but this is the most impressive win that the Boston Bruins have had this season. So they beat Calgary 4-3. to Calgary is a team that really slows it down on you, right? They're sitting around 27-21. and They slow it down. They play grindy hockey. And they, had, they were just peppering Linus Olmark with shots, and he withstood them. All right? And the Bruins went up 2-0 in the first period based off of Dmitry Orlov recent acquisition that they got from the yeah, Washington he's Capitals. Yeah, and he fits right in. Yeah. He's fit in perfectly. <laughs> he scored two goals in the first period and he assisted on the, uh, the third goal, the tie in the third period. And the, the, the flames really looked like they were about to run away with this game, right? Bruins went up two nothing. Everything was high. And then the Calgary flames rattled off three straight goals and went up three to two with, 11 minutes left in the third period. 
it, it, it was hard for the Bruins at that point in time when the Calgary had three shot or three goals to the Bruins too. Calgary was out shooting the Bruins 47 to 11. And usually when that's the case, you're done. You're not even going to come close. And then six minutes left in the third, uh, Dmitry Orlov finds Pavel Zaka after DeBrusque takes an absolute nasty hit in the middle of the ice. Like we say when we play Chell, take a hit to make a play. That's what Jake DeBrusque did, setting up Dmitry Orlov to set up Pavel Zaka on the cross-crease pass to score a goal on the power play. And then overtime, one of the most electric goals you'll see in hockey, Patrice Bergeron found Charlie McAvoy after an absolute hustle play from Brad Marchand to take the puck and keep it in the zone, cycled it around, and they found uh, – Charlie McAvoy with five seconds left in overtime seals the win in Calgary after getting outshot. The Bruins had no business winning this game, but that's what great teams do. They find ways to win. And Linus Allmark saving 54 shots of the 57 that he faced, which is absolutely unreal. He's the reason why the Bruins or he's one of the main reasons why the Bruins are where they are today. And you can't be more happy that about what Linus Olmark has been doing during this run. I mean, I, I've been listening to the radio. I've been paying attention. And, I mean, if it's not McDavid to, to be the most valuable player in this league, I mean, you could you could make a case for Olmark. You could make 100%. a case for Olmark. Looking, looking at past years, how goalies have been, treating in the, have been treated in, in the MVP race. I mean, they've gotten their shine. Um, I, I forget who it was last year, but he finished third. Last year in MVP voting, and um, if you look at his numbers compared to Olmark, it's, I mean, not even close. Olmark has been, I mean, this is one of the best, like, full-season performances we've seen. Um, I mean, I guess not even by a goalie, but by a team. It's It's been a crazy run. Um, as my good friends would say, uh, the boys are buzzing. Yeah, the boys are buzzing, and vibes are on absolute high right now. You know, this morning when we woke I just up, turn on the Bru- I just turned on the Bruins so I can watch my favorite team win every night. Yeah, that's what exactly. I did. And this morning, as Bruins fans, was an absolute dream morning. So for those who don't know, Tyler Bertuzzi just got traded to the Bruins. Um, he's a guy who's probably going to fill in for Taylor Hall right now, right? Taylor Hall is going on the injured reserve until they're probably going to pull. I, this rule, you know, it, it confuses me, to be honest. But, cap or whatever. Yeah, so Taylor Hall is going to go on the injured list until the playoffs, and then they'll activate him, but it won't be a salary cap. Like, they don't have to pay him, essentially, and he doesn't take up a roster spot. This is what Tampa Bay did with um, Kucherov in Kucherov, their one of their yep. cup runs. So it's just an interesting – I like how hockey does that. It's, it's such an unexplainable rule, in my opinion, especially because, I, I mean, I'm not the biggest – Puckhead, it's but, just like a blatant work around the cap. Yeah, it, it's like what people do when they account or they're trying to like avoid taxes and accounting. But the Bruins <laughs> trade for Tyler Bertuzzi today, a perfect fill-in spot for Taylor Hall while Taylor Hall is battling his injury. Um, it doesn't seem too serious for Taylor Hall based off of reports, but the, it's great to have a guy like Bertuzzi to step in and fill in that goal scoring in that third, fourth line. And it's crazy to say that Bertuzzi did to be on the third or fourth line, but that's how deep this team is. And the news that we've all been waiting to hear since around the Winter Classic when the rumors really started flowing, David Pasternak signed his extension. He's going to be a Bruin for life. Um, eight years, $90 million just about. Just an absolute blessing to see that this franchise is really keeping that their, their stars, their homegrown talent. Um, this, the Bruins are doing what the Red Sox should be doing, and that's acquiring talent at the deadline. And 
keeping their homegrown stars. The Bruins are very serious about making a run. And we have tonight, Thursday night, the Bruins face Buffalo at home. It's a tough game. Buffalo's a decent team, but I think the Bruins get it done. And then this Saturday, this might be one of the best matchups on paper of all time when you have the Boston Bruins at home against the New York Rangers. And these are a lot of people's Eastern Conference Finals. This is the preview of that, in my opinion. If To put it in basketball terms for those who don't uh, watch hockey, this is like Celtics-Bucks. This is like Chiefs-Bills, Chiefs-Bengals when you talk about it. And both of these teams are deep. And I, I just absolutely love, I mean, the Bruins are at home. This is a huge matinee game, you know, Sunday one or Saturday, one o'clock ticket prices are through the roof. And then you got a little bit of time off. You then turn around five days later and then you have Edmonton at home. You know, the stars are coming to play in the TD garden over this, uh, the next three games. I, I got to can't bet against the Bruins at this point in the year. This is a huge test for them. If they can prevail, uh, the rest of the season should be a cruise. Yeah, and I mean, perfectly put. Um, it, it, it's a it's a beautiful time to be a fan of Boston sports. Um, and a team that doesn't disappoint is is this team that we're talking about right here. Um, I know we're running short on time, but one thing that I wanted to mention, since we are on the topic of hockey, shout out Jonathan Quick, um, American hero, um, sent away from his beloved home. He's an LA King for life. Uh, retire, retire his number immediately. Yeah, that's all 100%. I said. Uh, he said he went to Columbus, right? Yeah, yes, he went to Columbus. It's kind of a, a random low key move, but I mean, hey, how about us talking the hockey? Stanley Cup yeah, champion, the yeah, yeah. I mean, American hero, unbelievable. Hockey's if. I wish hockey, I wish the NHL did a better job publicizing and marketing their sport because they really do have a great product. I think if you really enjoy, if you enjoy fast paced sports and like what hockey actually is, it's the most enjoyable sport to watch. You know, there's no BS in like in basketball with the fouls and the free throws and complaining. These guys are just here to do their job and they do it well. And there's a lot of fun teams out in the league. Watch out for the Boston Bruins. They're on pace to do some historic number numbers, and I can't wait for postseason hockey to start. Hopefully we talk about them soon before then. But other than that, I got nothing else to say, Griff. Take it away. Yeah. Um, well, we hope you guys enjoyed. And as I was looking more into the Jonathan Quick trade, he actually got sent once again from Columbus to Vegas. I didn't even see that. So, honestly, in the long run, works out for him. Um, he's going to have a ton of fun there. He's in his late 30s, early 40s. No better time to be in Las Vegas during that time because after that is the end. I'm kidding, though. Uh, we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Glad we could fit one in. Stav is on the move. Um, Stav, I hope you enjoyed the Cavaliers. Um, Stav also told me he's going to the Bruins game uh, this weekend and every single game until we go to the Big East tournament. Um, so Stav's going to have a lot of it. Right, Stav? Yeah. Funded by Incentive 5, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, tax right But um, we hope you guys enjoyed. We will catch you next week after Bama wins. And peace.